Pray with me. Father, this is your time. This is your word. Speak to us. Open our eyes to see. Open our ears to hear. Open our hearts to receive. That we may follow your will and bring you glory. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Storms can be a little bit frightening, especially when you're a small child. I grew up in Mobile where hurricanes were a constant threat. Well, not constant, I guess. There's a whole period of the year where you don't have hurricanes. But during hurricane season, they were a constant threat. We would, I had hurricane tracking charts and I, I'd follow the storms all the way through. But when I was a small child, the thing that would scare me most about the hurricane wasn't the thunder and the lightning and the wind and all that stuff. The thing that would scare me most was the lights going out. I'm telling you, I did not want the lights to go out. I think every small kid goes through that stage of being afraid of the dark. And when the lights go out, it's suddenly, suddenly bad. Uh, it, it, it just, it, it hits hard. So my parents would do what probably you've done and every parent since Adam and Eve have probably done. They got out a flashlight, shined it on the wall, and they made shadow puppets. Now, if you're creative and your hand's a little bit flexible, you can make all kinds of shadow puppets. You can make dogs and alligators. Those are easy. You can make uh, elephants, you know, kind of with your one finger out a little bit. I can kind of do it, but I can't make him. I can't make the, the trunk go way up high, but I can kind of do an elephant. Can't make a tiger, though, so sorry, you Auburn folks. I, I can't. I can't do that one. But it wasn't long before those shadow puppets started eating each other, right, and making funny voices, you know, because that's the whole purpose of shadow puppets is to make them chomp on one another. Shadows are not reality. Shadows are good. They can help us kind of know reality when we see it. They can even lead us to reality. They can tell us some things about reality, but shadows are not reality. This morning, we live among the people who lives in shadows instead of reality. They're confused, like children scared in the dark, thinking that that eerie-looking shadow over there is a monster coming to get them. We, we can't tell the difference between what's real and what's shadow. We live in a day when people don't know what a man or a woman is, but yet insist that women's rights be upheld. We live in a day where we reject God and claim to be logical and ethical. <laughs> we live in a day that says that we should protect children. But then we say that if a boy feels like a girl, then we should put him on hormone blockers as soon as possible and schedule the surgeries. We live in a day where we proclaim ourselves to be civil and tolerant and yet we demand the heads of anybody who disagrees with us or who even has the gall to ask difficult questions of us. We sit in front of a TV listening to some pundit talk about how somebody's going to save America if you just buy his t-shirts, read his books, and yet we don't get actively involved in our own community because we just don't have the time. We say we love God but we don't do what he says. We profess faith over fear, and yet fear, not faith, 
drives our actions. Have I made my point? Amen. We live in the shadows, just like a fish lives in water. It's easier to deny the truth than to face it, and oftentimes, well, well, let's just be honest. This isn't the, we're not the first ones to have this problem. Man has been living in the shadows instead of the reality ever since the Garden of Eden, hiding in the shadows of a bush because God was coming down to walk with them. We, we've been in the shadows ever since. The, the same issue is going on when the author of Hebrews is writing this book. These people are living in a shadow. Now, for them, for these mostly Jewish individuals who have come to faith in Christ, the shadow that they're facing is the law. And it looks good. In fact, it looks like it does a lot of good with their relationship with God. It looks like that through this law, through, the, through all the performances of the activities in the temple, that these people are being drawn closer to God. But the author of Hebrews says this about the law. Look in verse 1. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities. In other words, the law is merely a shadow. They mistook the shadow for the reality. The sacrifices, the actions of the priest were not the basis of sanctification. They couldn't be. They were merely the shadow. Now think for just a second about what a shadow actually is. A shadow is just the blocking of light. You've got a big source of light and you've got something that comes in front of it. The shadow is the spot where the light is blocked. And now that shadow can give you some information about the object. It can show you a basic form of it. A few years ago, I was at, a, at someone's house and I saw a picture on their wall. And it was a picture of a young girl, probably four or five years old in fact. But it wasn't exactly a picture, it was a silhouette. Have y'all seen a silhouette? Y'all, everybody knows what a silhouette is, right? It's, it's the basic shape of a head, but it doesn't show you any detail. It doesn't show you what color eyes they have or the color of their hair. It doesn't show the scratch on the cheek from, from the other day when they scratched their cheek. It didn't show any of that. All it was was just a black outline of the face and head. And so you could see it was a girl. You could see it was a little girl, but you couldn't see any of the details. That's what the law is when it comes to our sanctification. It is a silhouette of sanctification. The law gives us an outline. It shows us the basic form, the basic thing of what it looks like, but it doesn't give us all the details. It was never intended to. In fact, the law shows us a couple of things. First of all, it shows us that we have sin, and it shows us that the means of atoning for that sin is that something has to die. Leviticus 17.11 For the life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. The law is giving us an outline. Atonement comes by the shedding of blood. In fact, just last chapter, the author of Hebrews put it this way. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Well, how do we know that atonement takes death? 
Something has to die to make up for sins. How do we know that? We know that because the shadow gives us the form. It's a silhouette. It shows us the basic structure of what our sanctification looks like, and it looks like something dying. Without the law, we wouldn't recognize that we need to be saved. Without the law, we wouldn't recognize that something's got to die to take care of our sins. It helps us know the real thing when we see it. But watch this. Verses 1 through 3 of chapter 10. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come and not the true form of the realities. It has the shadow, but it doesn't have the real thing. It, it, it gives the outline, it gives the basic structure, but it doesn't give us the details. It's just a shadow. Verse two, you know, if they had, if, if these sacrifices were enough to atone, why would they offer them every year? Wouldn't they have stopped? I mean, once a sin's atoned for, it's atoned for, it's done for. There's nothing else to do with it, right? But no, they said they had to keep sacrificing. They had to keep offering year after year after year. Because if, if, if it had atoned for sin, they wouldn't have to. Because once you have been cleansed, you don't need to be cleaned again. Once you take a bath, you don't need a bath until you get dirty. Now, for some... That's get out of the tub, get clothes on, and run straight outside and get dirty again. I know a couple folks like that. Y'all probably can imagine who that might be, right? For others, it might take a few days before we really need a bath again. But, that, but, but isn't that the problem, though? We always keep needing another bath. We always keep needing to be cleansed again and again and again because we keep getting dirty again and again and again. <laughs> and that's exactly his point. If they had been enough... There wouldn't have to be any more. But the sacrifices have to keep happening because they're not enough. In fact, verse 3 says, But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. Instead of taking care of our sins, these sacrifices just bring them back up again. You ever known someone who just won't heal? They just keep bringing it up over and over and over again. They keep reopening the wound over and over and over again. That's exactly what the law does with our sin. It doesn't atone for our sin. It doesn't get rid of our sin. It doesn't deal with our sin. It just puts it in our face one more time to say, hey, you really need this because you are terrible. It's a shadow. It's there to show the form of our atonement, but it can't make our atonement for us. It shows us that we sin. It shows us that we need atonement. And it shows us that atonement comes by something dying, but it doesn't actually deal with the sin problem. It's just a shadow. They, they show us, but it's not the real thing. It's just a shadow. A shadow not only can give us a silhouette, it not only gives us a basic outline, but shadows also do something else. And this is more fun when you only have one light. With these multiple lights, there's different kinds of shadows, so it's harder to see. But, but when you do something, your shadow does something too, right? When you wave your hand, your shadow waves. I don't know, yeah, you kind of a little bit see it. If you're in the right spot, you can see it. Every time I wave my arm, the shadow waves. If I go down to pick up something, the shadow goes down like it's going to pick up something, right? It mimics. It, it shows you the action that the real thing is doing. But does the shadow actually pick up anything? 
Does the shadow really wave its arm? No. The shadow's not doing the actual work. It's just looking like it. In the same kind of way, the law doesn't really do the sanctifying work. It's just a semblance of sanctification. A semblance is something that looks like it. There's a lot of similarities, but it's not actually the real thing. Just as a shadow can't lift a box or wave an arm, the law cannot bring our sanctification. It looks like it. The fragrant offerings smell good. The continually offered up prayers sound good. The altars covered in blood look like they're doing us a lot of good. But in reality, it's all a shadow. Look at verse 1 another time. It can never, even though, even though you, you, make, you have this law and it has these practices, the sacrifice of the law can not, it can never, by the same sacrifices continually offered every year, can never make perfect those who draw near. We're stuck because we cannot be made perfect by these sacrifices that the priests are offering over and over and over again. Look at verse 4. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Verse 11. Just in case you're knuckleheaded like me and you need it repeated a third time. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the word never has a really complex meaning in Greek. It means never. Impossible means impossible. This isn't, it would have been good enough if the priest had just done it the right way. It would have been better if just the right people were doing this. It may be that maybe the, the right, the wrong lamb was sacrificed. So if you just get a better lamb, it's nothing like that. It's impossible for it to work at all because it's just a shadow. And shadows don't actually do the work. It's the reality that does the work, not the shadow. Day after day, the priest performs all the actions that point to our restoration with God. It's like they're saying, look, 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 your sanctification is going to look kind of like this. But the sacrifices are the shadow. They, they don't sanctify. They kind of look like it. They give us a form of the reality. And they even, they even give the appearance of, of what to look for when true sanctification comes. But it doesn't do the job. They're a shadow. One more thing to think about with shadows. Shadows are not very permanent, are they? Shadows are temporary. They don't last. I, I was one day, I was out doing traffic at Chick-fil-A, and uh, there, were, there were a couple of clouds in the sky. Like the rest of the sky was blue. There's just one or two clouds. And one of these clouds happened to come across the sun, and it was shadowy for about 30 seconds. And, and then that shadow, that shadow gave way to more light as this cloud just continued on its way and the sun, sun was back out again. That's, that's how transient shadows are. That's how, that's how temporary they are. Now, sometimes they last longer. But even when they last longer, they're constantly changing. Have you watched your shadow during the day? 
In the morning, it's really long and it gets shorter and shorter and shorter. And then, and then as the sun begins to set, it gets longer and longer again until, until the sun is too low to really, for there to be any shadow for you at all. It's, the shadows are constantly changing. And, and that's another thing. Have you ever been hurt by your shadow? They've got no effect on you. Maybe they help you not get so sunburned. You know, you're sitting under a under an umbrella, but but the lasting effect, there's no lasting effect. Once the shadow's gone, it's gone. Shadows are so temporary and they don't, the, the effects don't last. It's the same way with the law. The law is nothing but a transience of sanctification. Some of you may not have heard the word transience before. That just means something that doesn't last. So think, you know, for, for those of you who are older, you've heard the phrase, here today, gone tomorrow. That's transience, okay? The law is a transience of sanctification. It looks like it's going to work, but it doesn't last. It just isn't made to. We've already read the verses, and we've read the verses, and we've read the verses again. I know, but pay one, look one more time at verse one. How often are those sacrifices offered? Continually offered every year. It's a constant thing. Verse three, when's the reminder of sins? Every year. In fact, I would even, I would even say you could probably add on to what the author of Hebrews say and continually <laughs> reminder of sin. <laughs> Every year. Because every time you see that sacrifice, every time you see that priest spilling blood on the altar, you know, I have sinned. He's doing that because I am a sinner. Every single time. Verse 11. When does he stand to make sacrifices? Daily. And how often does he make those sacrifices? Repeatedly. Sacrificing ad nauseum. He's sick and tired of this. And he's still got to do it over and over and over again. Because this is a shadow. It doesn't last. Now, if it sounds like the author of Hebrews is beating a dead horse, that's because sanctification by the sacrifices of the law is a dead horse. It's not meant to be permanent, y'all. The law is a shadow. It's a silhouette. It's a, it's a semblance. It's a transience of God's sanctifying work in us. The law is a shadow, but the reality is Christ. If you hear nothing else from me today, I want you to hear this. Christ is the only way that we can be made right with God. He made the ultimate sacrifice to cleanse us from sin, to bring us into communion with the Father. When the light of God shines upon the sanctifying work of Christ, the shadow that's cast is the law. God's light shines on Christ's sacrifice and the shadow that's left is that Old Testament law. It's a shadow, but the reality is Christ. Do I need to do anything? Mitchell, I need you to sit up, please. Thank you. The law shadows our sanctification. Christ fulfills it. In fact, when the law was a silhouette, Christ is the fullness of sanctification. Uh, look, look with me at verses 5 through 7. And look for the contrast. There's a, there's a distinctive contrast that happens 
Verses 5 and 6 give us one picture. Let's look at it. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Now that's the system of the law. Those sacrifices and those offerings. That's what the priests were doing in the temple. That was the system that, that they've been looking at as the means of sanctification. And Jesus, when he comes, he says, you don't want any of that. You've not desired those sacrifices and those offerings. No, no, no. Then he says this. Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. The contrast could be bigger. The sacrifices and the offerings in 5, 6 never delighted God. Do you know why they never delighted God? Because they're a shadow. They weren't actually fulfilling his work. It was a band-aid. It was a temporary thing so that by the time that God is ready to do the fullness of the work, his people would be ready to see it and submit to it. God is preparing us for the day when Christ comes and is our full sanctification. He was preparing them too. And the law is part of his means of bringing them to the place to when Christ comes, they look and they say, we've been looking at shadows, but there's the reality. The reality is in Christ, the one who perfectly performs the perfect will of a perfect God just as his perfect word had perfectly proclaimed. Verse 10, he goes on to say, and by that will, that will of God, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. The shadow gives us an outline, but Christ gives us the full picture. Back in in fact, do you remember how the author of Hebrews described Jesus back at the beginning of the book? He says in verse 3, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Paul tells the Colossian church, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. A few verses later, he says, For in him... All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven or on earth, making peace by the blood of his cross. Do, do you see? Jesus shows us the fullness of God and fulfills the fullness of sanctification. One author put it this way. Justification is us in Christ. Sanctification is Christ in us. Jesus is the, the fullness of sanctification. It's not just something he does. It's his presence in us, living with us, guiding us, shaping us. He also accomplishes the work that the shadow only pretends to do. While the, while the shadow is the semblance Christ is the perfection of sanctification. I mean perfect two ways here. I mean it as perfect, as absolutely without blemish, as he did it, nailed it. He nailed it. He did it perfectly. Everything to the T exactly as it's supposed to be. But I also mean perfect as in complete. There's nothing left out. Christ didn't forget something. 
I, I did something for somebody uh, uh, just yesterday. I was making for something for somebody and I sent it to them. And right after I sent it to them, I looked at it and I saw mistakes because that's who I am. I'm a person that makes a lot of mistakes. I try to fix them all, but I do make a lot of mistakes. And so I immediately corrected the mistake and I sent, I sent the next one to him. And then I saw more mistakes. And then I just sent him a note that said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep finding mistakes in this. I'll, I'll send you an updated copy later. <laughs> I didn't want to keep doing it back and forth. Jesus doesn't have to do that. He didn't come to earth, die on the cross at almost perfect death, except he forgot one thing and now he's got to come back and fix that one thing. No, he did it perfectly. In fact, Jesus even said he did it perfectly. And if you can't trust Jesus, who can you trust? John chapter 19, he's on the cross. Last words he says, it is finished to tell us I should do a whole sermon on that one word. <coughs> he really doesn't. He doesn't just pretend to do it. He's not like a shadow just mimicking the action. He actually performs the sanctifying work. He actually sanctifies us. Notice the grammar. I'm going to be a nerd for a second. James, it's time to get out the grammar hammer. And by that, yeah, by that will, we have been sanctified. If he wanted to say that God has sanctified us, and that's all he was trying to get at, is that the work of sanctification has already been done. And that's it. If that's all he wanted us to see, he would have said that. But the way he puts it in Greek is a little different. This form means that our sanctification is totally and completely fulfilled without question, and it will be for all eternity to come. There is no doubt in his mind that God has fully and completely sanctified me and you and anyone else who has put faith in Christ. And there should be no doubt in our minds either. It's as sure as God is alive today. And that's pretty sure. I don't know if you know that. <coughs> but then look at verse 14. By a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Do, do you see what he does? Wait. If we have been sanctified, then why does he call us those who are being sanctified? Not only has God completely done it, without question, and it will be done for all eternity to come, he's going to stick it out until we realize the fullness of that <laughs> sanctification too. You see, because God's already done everything except bring it to life in us. He's doing that now. That's an ongoing work. It's kind of like, like when you have a retirement account and you buy certain stocks or bonds or, or certain things, and you check the value of your account, and the value of the account is going up, or, or going up for some of us, right? <laughs> but you don't really have that gain yet. See, you haven't realized it. it it's sitting there, it, it, it's worth that, but you don't have the benefit of it yet. It's not until you sell that and you take those gains. It's not until you receive those dividends it's not until you actually get the money out of the account that you realize the benefit of it. Now, you might, it might make you smile. It might make you happy. It might have some impact on you. But until you get the money out, 
You can't spend it. The work of sanctification that God has done is the same way. He has done it completely without question for all eternity, but it doesn't impact me until I actually work it out. And how can I do that work? Only by God living in me, guiding me, teaching me truth, giving me the power to perform the work that God wants me to do. Otherwise, sanctification is something to check your balance in your account and smile about. But it doesn't have any impact on how we live, not until we follow the Holy Spirit. He's making the reality of sanctification come to life in us more and more as we draw nearer to God. The shadow is a silhouette. Christ is the fullness. The shadow is a semblance. Christ is the perfection. The shadow is a transience. Christ is the permanence of sanctification. We've already talked about the fact that it's good and it's, it's guaranteed for all eternity. The shadows don't last. But the reality does. Verse 9, he says, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first, the law, in order to establish the second. He's talking about that new covenant in Jeremiah 31. But before you establish the new covenant, it's time to hang up the old. The old was temporary. The old was not meant to be forever. But the new is. He does away with the first to establish the second. Verse 10, and by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. How? Do you remember all those sacrifices repeatedly, repeatedly, daily, every year, continually? That's transience. Once for all, that's permanence. Verse 12, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, his work was completely fulfilled, then he sits down. And, and not just anywhere. We talked about that right hand of God. That's the place of honor. Verse 14, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Then he talks about the Holy Spirit and he says this. He's talking about the fact that in that new covenant, God declares, I will remember your sins no more. He says this, where there is forgiveness of these, those lawless deeds, those sins that you had committed that I've forgiven, where there's forgiveness, there's no longer any offering for sin. You know why? Because you haven't cleaned the outside like taking a bath, and later you're going to get dirty and need another bath. He's purified you from within. You ever, you ever try to pick up a bar of soap in the shower? It's tricky business, huh? It's like sin. It just doesn't quite stick to you anymore. It's like, it's like you go to grab that soap and it just flies out of your hand. Or you go to pick it up and it shoots out and <laughs> now you're like, where'd it go? It doesn't stick. It's like, it's like Jesus coats you with this righteousness that doesn't allow sin to stick to you. Not because you don't want to do it, though he's working on the will, because every time you try to do it, you hear that voice that says, you shouldn't be doing that. You need to repent. True child of God, 
Your sanctification is done. So why are you wallowing around in sin? One more thing about shadows. If all you do is look at the shadow, you miss the reality. But if you turn your eyes toward the light, you'll see what's making the shadow. For us, the law is probably not where you find your sanctification. I doubt anybody in this room would say, yes, I get my sanctification from the ritual practices of the Old Testament. Anybody? Because if you do after this sermon, man, we got to have a talk. Okay? No, but we have other shadows, don't we? We look at the shadow of the faith of our fathers and mothers, people that have gone before us that, that we emulate. We look at the shadow of the good works we've done, the accolades we've achieved, the reputation that we've earned, faithful attendance and active participation in the church. That's a shadow. All of those are not the beans of your sanctification. Our sanctification is not found in works, in awards, in church activity, the faith of others whom we emulate. Our sanctification is only found in faith in Jesus Christ. And it's got to be your faith, not just the faith of somebody else. You have to put faith in Christ. That's the only place you'll find sanctification because everything else is a shadow. Only Christ is the reality. The shadows are helpful. They show us a little bit of what the real is like. In a way, they even point us toward reality. But they're not real. And our reality has come. It's time to stop looking at the shadows and look to Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Pray with me. God, we are sanctified not by the blood of bulls and goats, not by the sweat of our brow, not by the record on the church roll, not by the awards in our trophy case, not by the, the way we were brought up. We are sanctified only by your son, Jesus Christ, by putting absolute faith in him. Father, help us not look to the shadows, but look to Christ. Help us not be confused on what's real, and what's only a shadow. Guide us in this time. Tell us what we are to do and help us be faithful to follow your will. In Christ's name, amen.